The world's economies run on their supply chains. Understanding them is the key to keeping global products moving. Welcome to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane, a series of business podcasts co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. In this series of episodes, we explore the digitalization of supply chains. Supply Chain in the Fast Lane is brought to you by DHL Supply Chain. At DHL Supply Chain, we're all in on continuous innovation that accelerates digitalization of the end-to-end supply chain. DHL Supply Chain, all innovation, no boundaries. Learn more at dhl.com slash all in. Today, we focus on digital twins. Here is your moderator, Supply Chain Quarterly's Executive Editor, Susan Lacefield. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Our episode will take a look at a technology with an evocative and intriguing name, digital twins. To help us understand what this technology is and what its benefits are, we have with us Russ Meller from Fortna, which helps companies design, engineer, and implement complex distribution centers. Russ is their principal scientist and runs the science and technology group. Now, Russ, when we were planning out this podcast series, we knew we wanted to do an episode on digital twin technology. And our producer, Dave Maloney, told us that we really need to have Russ on the show because he loves to talk about digital twins. So is that true? Are, are digital twins a passion of yours? Yes, thank you, Susan. I'm smiling now. You've got me. <laughs> so could you define for us who might not be in the know what a digital twin is? Sure. And I'm going to note at the outset that really the only domain for digital twins that I'm probably competent to speak to <laughs> is for distribution systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some of the things I'm saying could be generalized, but I'll just start there. And I, but I'll say for distribution center, mm-hmm. the way we think about it, a digital twin is a high fidelity virtual representation of the facility. Mm-hmm. And to the extent possible, if it happens in the real system, we will see it, quote unquote, it mm-hmm. happened in the digital system, right? You'd have these running side by side in a near real-time sync. To enable this, right, we have to capture and store data that represents the state of the objects in the system over time. Like every time a carton is scanned, you know, mm-hmm. which carton, with what contents, at which time, those all have to be recorded in a digital, you know, database. And then this allows us to represent both the current state as it's happening it mm-hmm. allows us to reconstruct all prior states of the system. So we call this the playback capability. Baby, ah. Basically, you punch in a prior time, and mm-hmm. you basically see the system at that time, and then it rolls forward from there. And this is really useful when we talk about use cases. This is a really very, very useful use case. Great, great. Um, so late last year, ABI Research, they conducted a survey on a study on technology trends. And um, according to the report, they expect uh, global spending on digital twins to grow from $4.6 billion this year to $33.9 billion in 2030. And I was wondering, do you agree with this forecast? Do you see the technology growing at this rate? Well, that first I'll say that sounds really good for business, Susan. Certainly. Um, <laughs> You know, I can't, it, it's hard for me to comment on, on rolled up numbers like that per se, mm-hmm. but I definitely have thoughts on why we expect to see growth in digital twin and technology. Um, if, if we think about that playback feature that I mentioned earlier, right, mm-hmm. systems are constantly deviating from, you know, what we would call the happy path, 
due to mm. disruptions of one form or of another, right? So mm -hmm. being able to rewind the tape, so to speak, and literally see where the system started to get off the rails, right? And mm -hmm. then follow that through, you know, allows you a, a much better view into how to get the system back back into sync, right? So, and by having a digital twin, instead of like going out to the floor and saying, hey, look at this train wreck, <laughs> um, <laughs> how did it happen? Right. right, you're you're looking at the whole system. You're playing back. You're saying, "Oh, that's what happened. It was really way up here mm. that the problem occurred, not down there at the shipping sorter." And so mm. we have to go upstream and fix that problem to actually resolve the problem downstream. Right. So mm -hmm. this combination of being able to rewind the tape and not being myopic and just looking where the jam happened or something else, right, allows you much better decision making going forward. And so I think as systems get more and more complex with more and more automation, I think this value that you will derive from a digital twin, right, goes up quite a bit. And so that's mm -hmm. why I do think we're gonna see growth in this. Um, and if we look to our sort of brethren in manufacturing, right, mm -hmm. they, they have seen pretty big growth in this area. And we're, we're just a bit behind them in the distribution side. So I do think um, these trends are likely to, to go forward that uh, are represented in that forecast. Great. Now, you've already touched upon this um, previously, but what are some of the use cases for digital twins that you've seen uh, your clients use successfully? Yep. So I, I refer to the first one as sort of the client support use case, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. diagnosing problems and making good decisions uh, so that you're able to get back on track. Right. So that's sort of the client support or, you know, issue resolution use case. But right. I think even a more basic use case is being able to communicate effectively amongst team members about the facility and the state of the facility over time, yeah. right? Uh -huh. Most of the time you go down to the facility, you know your area and maybe you know upstream and downstream, but you don't, uh, are, you can't really see the big picture in most of these facilities. So having that sort of command center that has a digital twin running, right? I think allows you the ability to just have better communication and integration across your team, right? Mm -hmm. And then I think that naturally leads to you know, better dashboards and reporting on the performance and progress of the system over time, right? This holistic one source mm -hmm. of truth, so to speak, about the facility state, right? Great. And then, you know, some people are talking about play forward capability with digital twins, which is mm -hmm. kind of a subject that we may not have time for. But um, right. I will say that we're, we're also investing in that in our sort of virtual environments initiative where we, we take the power of simulation, which is like a prediction sort of tool and combine it with a, with a digital twin, which is like an actual data uh, tool, if you combine those together in what we call a virtual environment, um, then you can have what we call play forward, you know, doing some rapid simulations of, some, of a current decision in the future states associated with choices, mm -hmm. so that you can make better decisions. But it all boils down to making better decisions over time. So mm -hmm. I would just summarize communication, dashboarding, client support, and then decision support and maybe even in the future autonomous control are the sort of the mm -hmm. use cases that the, the digital twin or a virtual environment, you know, supports. A lot of uh, benefits out there then for the technology. Yeah. What do companies have to have already in place before they can begin to consider adopting a digital twin? Yeah, so if you, uh, if you break down a digital twin, right, mm -hmm. you have to have this ability to graphically represent the system state, right? You've okay. got to be able to sense the system state, right? And mm -hmm. then you need to be able to store that data so that you can go back in time and manage it all together, right? So 
if you think about the components and like what a company has already have in place, you know, this is the hard part. They probably don't have a graphical representation of the whole system, but they might. So that's mm-hmm. a starting point. Okay. They most certainly have the ability to sense the system state, but they don't store that data. Mm-hmm. So really, if you look at it, the missing piece is really like taking all the information that's being tracked over time. It's being used in their WCS control system, mm-hmm. maybe to make decisions, maybe their WMS to relate to transactions. But it's really being able to bring that into a database in a useful way that they can utilize it going forward to represent system states over time, right? So the big part that they don't necessarily have is that digital database infrastructure. And that's what most companies have to uh, invest in right from the start. I guess I'd also add one thing is that if you think about this, representing a manual system is actually harder than an automated system because if someone just picks up a carton uh, and puts it on a conveyor until that's scanned, right? Until some, some, some there's digital footprint related to that. We don't Mm -hmm. really know what's going on, right? But in automated Mm -hmm. systems, right, because they're automated, you have to have all those digital signatures, that data flow. And so what we found is sort of the opposite. You know, a lot of things we start, you know, with a manual system first and sort of build our tech, Mm -hmm. our expertise up. It's actually easier to start with an automated system to put a digital twin in place. Ah, so this might um, go really well into my next question, which is, are there any barriers um, to more distribution facilities or supply chains adopting digital twin in the near future? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it's it's. I would say, and I should have said this at the outset, Susan, is that mm-hmm. the, the term digital twin is probably really misunderstood or not well accepted. You know, common definition, right? So, right. I think part of it's like people say, well, I hear about, but I don't know what it is, or they have a definition and the the provider that may help them has a different definition, right? So I think part of it's just getting to some common. And so I appreciate the opportunity to, you know, be on a podcast like this to to add to that. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it's just sort of getting real with what it is and what it isn't and Mm. what providers can or can't do. But one of the barriers that we've noticed in in working on this is that, you know, a, a distribution system has a lot of subsystems you know, and the data stream for a subsystem, let's say like a goods to person, right, mm-hmm. might be controlled by one company, whereas the conveyor system data streams controlled by another company, and you need both or all of them, right, to be part of your mm-hmm. digital twin. So mm-hmm. I think it's just we're not, you know, partners aren't used to working together to share data streams necessarily, and that's mm-hmm. what's going to be necessary. And so I think that's a barrier. Uh, I don't think it's insurmountable. I think you know, over time will be better at uh, how we um, communicate our needs and put those together as a, as part of a system. Right. It does seem a lot comes down to do, to integration these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you yep, I agree. Yes. And, um, yep. And one yeah. thing I, I'd like to add, I know we're sure. right at time, but just to say, yeah. um, I know it, this may come across as daunting, <laughs> you know, like, oh, wow, this is a lot to do. But I think it's certainly challenging. I don't want to under, uh, underplay that. But I also don't want to say it's harder than it is. I think the hard part people think is, man, I'm going to have this digital model that represents everything going on in my system. And that's going to be really hard. But in reality, if you think about it, digital twin doesn't have to understand why. It has to mm-hmm. understand what. Meaning mm-hmm. if a carton is diverted into a lane at a particular time, it just needs to track that. It doesn't need to know why it did that. 
the why would be like in a simulation model. And so in some ways, at least in this respect, the digital representation, a simulation model is a lot more challenging to develop. And we've mm -hmm. been developing these for decades, simulation mm -hmm. models, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think it's the data infrastructure side that is what is going to be more daunting than the virtual representation of the system. I think we can get these two together over time. Great. Well, on that hopeful note, um, I want to thank Russ for joining us today, and um, I hope to talk to you soon. Susan, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've been talking to Russ Meller from Fortinet today, and you have been listening to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane. Supply Chain in the Fast Lane is a co-production of the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. This episode has been brought to you by DHL Supply Chain. At DHL Supply Chain, we're all in on continuous innovation that accelerates digitalization of the end-to-end -end supply chain. DHL Supply Chain, all innovation, no boundaries. Learn more at dhl.com slash all in. Please subscribe to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you get your podcasts.